Thank you for joining us for the Midweek Bible Study with Dr. David Wilson. Now let's join Dr. Wilson for a more in-depth study of the Word of God. Well, tonight we're going to conclude the study of 1 Thessalonians. And next Wednesday night, we're just going to start in 2 Thessalonians. And we just may just go through the Bible till Jesus comes in Revelation. I don't know. But we're going to um, look at the last few verses, beginning in verse 23, chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. And a lot of people would just see this as the concluding remarks of the letter, but I want to tell you, this is a rich passage here, and and you're going to enjoy some of the information that he has included in this passage. He says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Back in the 80s, um, I remember a conference where some of the leaders were, were, were wearing a button that had those letters, PB, PBP, GIF, WMY. And what that stood for was, please be patient. God isn't finished with me yet. Each of us is a work in progress. Aren't you glad God's not finished with you yet? And it reminds me of a children's book or children's song. I I remember our oldest daughter, Rachel, when she was just like five years old, she sang uh, a song in church and it was, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and stars the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars, how loving and patient he must be because he's still working on me. Now, have you ever referred to someone or heard somebody referred to as they are a piece of work? (laughs) And that's not usually a compliment. (laughs) But did you know that's what we are? We're a piece of work. And God's still working on us. And what I want you to see here is how God is still working on us. So first, let's begin with some personal truth. Some, something that's per, the truth that you really are being crafted daily. Some truths that you need to hold on to from this passage. What is God doing for you and for me? Well, the first thing is God is working Personally, Now look what in verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself. I like in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 when it says the Lord himself will come. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Here it says God himself. And one of the first things we learned when we were learning the English language, at least back when we went to school, 
Well, that, that every sentence has a subject and a verb and sometimes an object of the verb. Well, here you have a subject, which is God, and you have the verb sanctify, and the object is you and me. May God sanctify you. It's personal. And in writing this sentence, Paul used a unique Greek construction that we really don't have in the English language. And let me, let me it, it sort of triples the impact of this. Here's how it's written in the Greek. May God, may God himself, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you. In other words, it's something to draw your attention to. Paul could have identified God as the God of power or grace or glory, but in this context, he calls him the God of peace. Why do you think that is? Because we live in such a chaotic world and people's lives are so troubled that peace is a rare commodity and God's will for your life is that he will bring you to a place where you experience real peace. The peace that surpasses all understanding. It only comes from God. The presence of God brings peace. I've said it before, it's not original with me. Peace is not the absence of conflict, it's the presence of God in your life. When people come to know Jesus many times, the first thing they say after they've prayed to receive Christ, I feel such peace in my life. Only God can make you better. Now I want you to think about that for a moment. Exercise improves your body, therapy may help your soul, friends may lift your spirit, Good fortune may improve your circumstances, but only God can make you better. Only God can change this world. Only God can change a heart. We get another little glimpse of God himself in Revelation 21.4 when it says, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. When it comes to wiping the tears out of his children's eyes, it says God's going to do that. So I like it when you see God doing something personally, God himself doing it. But also the second part of that verse 23, God is changing thoroughly. It's written, it says, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely or through and through. But let's don't jump over the word sanctify you. There's three big words in our Christian vocabulary that you hear often in teaching and preaching. And it describes what God's done in your life. You have been saved. You are being saved. You will be saved. Those three words, the first one, you have been saved, is the word for justification. It, it means that you have been freed from the penalty of sin. It's a legal term that says you have been put right with God. You are now justified. You are no longer separated from God. He has justified you. The present word, sanctification, means that God is in the process of giving you power over sin. Sin cannot rule you anymore. You have the power in you. You are growing. God is saving you from the power of sin. 
And then the future word, glorification, means that there's coming a time when we're going to be free from the presence of sin. And that's going to be an awesome, awesome time, isn't it? Uh, you're going to receive a glorified body. That's going to be wonderful enough. But you'll also be saved from the very presence of sin. We're going to a place where sin's never touched it. It's never cursed it. It's untouched. And people are searching for ways to improve their lives, but they'll, they'll be frustrated at their own self-improvement. Only God can change us. Augustine, 16 centuries ago, wrote these words, Lord, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. There's a God-shaped vacuum in our lives until you meet Christ. Many years ago, the Model T Ford was the car driven by more Americans than any other. One afternoon, there was a broken down Model T beside the road, and the driver was standing there by the hood that was up, trying to figure out what the problem was. He couldn't get the engine started. It wasn't long before another driver stopped by and looked under the hood, and he immediately saw the problem and was able to fix it, and then the motor began to purr like a kitten. And when the driver asked him, how do you know so much about this engine? He said, I'm the one who built it. My name is Henry Ford. Well, God himself is the one who created us. And only he can fix us. Because he knows everything about us. So he's working personally. He's working thoroughly. And he's also working comprehensively. Look at verse 23 again. May the God of peace sanctify you completely in the New King James Version or through and through. Biblically, the term sanctify means to make holy, which means to set apart. God sets you apart. You're his child. He's taken you out of the world of sin. He, I mean, he's not taking you out of the world yet, but he's taking you out of the life of sin, forgiven you. He set you apart. You are his and it contains the idea of being made pure for God's service. I hear people say, well, I think God wants me to be happy. Well, that's partially true. But more than happy, God wants you to be holy. He wants you to live for him. The words holiness and sanctification aren't prominent in much of Protestant theology anymore. In fact, Myron Augsburger, in a book called The Christ-Shaped Conscience, said, we have tended to speak of justification without a commensurate emphasis on sanctification. In other words, we want to get people saved, but we don't talk about being changed and growing in the Lord. He goes on to say, holiness means to a lot of people that one belongs completely or wholly to God, but it also means sanctification, being set apart by God's, of God's own possession. We are his children. And when this begins internally with the heart, the transformation begins that affects our whole body. God changes you from the inside out. Now this little phrase completely or through and through actually translate a, an unusual two-part Greek word. One means whole, W-H-O-L-E, 
And the other means complete or at the end. It has the idea of being completely or wholly sanctified so that in the end you'll be made complete. You're, God's in the process of working on and growing you so that at the end you're going to be complete. Now you're already saved, but I'm talking about you're going to be completely whole one day. You are not now what you're going to be one day. You're a work in progress. You're a piece of work. Amen. Now, most of us feel fragmented and torn in a lot of different directions, but, and we're on our way now, but we're incomplete. We're under construction. And God intends that when we finally get to heaven, the construction is over and we're made complete. Sanctification is a process that leads to our completion. Years ago, we sang a little chorus that said, it went this way, little by little, day by day, in every way, Jesus is changing me. You're not what you used to be, but you're still not what you're going to be. You're completely saved, justified, I'm sanctified, I'm growing, glorified one day. We could say it this way, I'm not what I'm eventually going to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. I'm a work in progress. You ever heard the term, it's good enough for government work? <laughs> now you may have never used that term, but if, if you're a do-it-yourselfer, and many times you may have done something on construction, you may have been working on a fence or whatever. And, and they'll say, well, how's it going? And you'll say, well, it's good enough for government work. Now, that is a cynical way. If you work for the government, I mean, no offense. But it's a cynical way of saying, don't worry about the details. The joints may not fit exactly, the margins may be crooked. Uh, you, you don't have to worry about the budget. We don't have to be perfect. We don't even have to be close. But mark it down. God does not do government work. Amen. Everything he does is perfect. Now, we may feel like at times our lives are government work. And we look on the inside and we see lots of good and bad mixed together and a whole bunch of loose connection and a lot of parts that don't seem to work right. But that's the way it is in a fallen world we may be stuck with what seems like government work in our own life, but God has promised that in the end, we will be sanctified completely through and through. We're not finished yet, but we will be. We're not completely clean today, but we will be. We're not totally wise today, but we will be. We are not totally redeemed. We are, and yet we're not completely. We're not in our final glorified body yet. Our, 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 mind, our soul and spirit have been saved and been given life, but one of these days we're going to have a new body. That's, that's completely redeemed. We're not always useful to God, but we will be. See, when God works on us, he does an entire renovation. Now, there have been lots of TV shows that 
show where they rework someone's home or somebody buys an old home that needs to be remodeled and redone. And they're not all on television anymore, but you remember that show Extreme Makeover or um, this old house or trading places. And these shows, producers would find a rundown old house and they'd send a team of experts to completely change it. And they didn't change just one room. They did the whole house and then walked you through the whole house. Well, that's the idea that Paul is conveying in this verse because notice what he says that God's process covers every area of our lives. Look at verse 23. Your spirit, soul, and body. That's all of us. Now think about that for a minute. When God created man in Genesis, he said, let us make man in his image. Does that mean we look like God? No. What does it mean? It means that we're designed like him. The triune God, God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There's three parts to us. The body, the soul, and the spirit. With your body, you relate to the material world around us. With your soul, you relate to the social world around you. And with your spirit, you're related to the spiritual world above us. Now, I want to take these in reverse order. Let's first talk about the body. When your body is right, you're healthy. The word for body is the word soma, S-O-M-A. The Greek philosopher Plato taught that we only have a body and a soul. And he taught that the body is evil, given to lust and passions. The soul is trapped in this wicked body. So those who followed his teaching, it didn't really matter what you did with your body. And it would seem that a lot of church members have embraced Plato instead of God's word. See, the New Testament teaches us that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. He indwells us. We are to offer our bodies as living sacrifices to God. John wrote it this way in 3 John, verse 2, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. Now, we don't debate this. I mean, you don't debate that you've got a body, do you? I mean, you've got one or you wouldn't be here. But did you know your body is morally neutral? Your body can be used for good or bad. It's, it's, it's morally neutral. It's what you do with your body that matters most to God. And in everything you do, you're either consecrating it and using it for God or you're desecrating it and not using it for God. Now, there's really only two options. Holy feet carry God's message. Holy hands give a cup of water To a thirsty man, holy ears hear the cries of the needy. Holy eyes that see the world as Jesus saw it. Holy lips speak the good news. Holy is the mouth that speaks no deceit. How are you using your body? Lord, I give you all that I have. As long as I have breath. 
that's why Romans 12.1 means when you, you present your body a living sacrifice. Remember, if God has your body, he's got you because you can't go anywhere without your body tagging along. Have you ever tried that? <laughs> so when you give yourself to God, he's, he's got you. I read an interesting interview of a 98-year-old man. He said, as you look back on your life, would you have done anything differently? And he said, well, if I'd have known I was going to live this long, I'd have taken better care of myself. We all have a body. We're to use our bodies, not in sin, but to honor the Lord. Now, he mentions the soul. When your soul is right, you're happy. The Greek word for soul is the word suke. We get our word psychic and psychology from this word. Your soul is your personality. It's your mind, your emotions. It's your will. It's within your soul where human relationships are sealed. The Bible says the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, 1 Samuel 18.1. It's the relational part of us. That's what friendship is when two souls are knit together. In the Bible, marriage is the souls of a man and a woman knit together and they become one flesh. The phrase refers to the seat of the personality. Sometimes we call it the heart. Have you ever said about somebody, well, I know their heart or his heart, his heart or her heart. It refers to the emotions, the desire the self-conscious part of your personality. What about your soul? Is it consecrated to God? Now, we're, we're, we are warned in Romans 12 too not to be pulled down into the vortex of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. You see, our mind, our emotions, and our will our mind, we, we live with a Christian or a biblical worldview. But you'd be surprised at people that don't. They call themselves Christians. A biblical worldview means that we interpret everything and how we live our lives through what God's word tells us. There's some things that God's given us such liberty to do and there's some things he says, no, you don't need to be part of that. The third part of our bodies, or third part of us, is the spirit. When your spirit is right, you're holy. When your body is right, you're healthy. When your soul is right, you're happy. When your spirit is right, you're holy. The fact that we have a spirit makes us unique in God's creation. Now, this is going to make tree huggers mad because plants are living not creatures, they're living organisms, I guess. They have a body, but they don't have a soul. Animals are living creatures, they have a body and a soul. You got a dog or a cat? Do they have a personality? But has your dog, and don't you dare raise your hand, tell me yes. Has your dog ever folded his paws and thanked God for the food before it ate? <laughs> has your cat ever wanted to come to church with you and sit and hear the word of God? No. What makes us different 
from a toad or a turnip. God breathed his spirit into us. We have the capacity to know God. We're not the, the highest order of evolution. That's ridiculous. The spirit refers to that part of our personality that ties us to God. It's that through which we communicate with God in prayer and worship. Our spirit enables us to pray, to sing, to, to meditate on God's word, to feed on his word, to fight spiritual battles, to overcome the evil one, to draw near to God day and, and, day and night. When you're reading your Bible, for the most part, there are one or two exceptions, but for the most part, you can tell when the Bible's talking about the Holy Spirit because they've capitalized it. And then man's spirit with a little s. For example, Romans 8, 16, God's spirit, capital, testifies with our spirit, lowercase, that we are God's children. When you're born again, God's spirit comes to take residence in your heart and life, and it's like the Holy Spirit shake hands with your spirit, confirms that you really are a part of God's family. Now, I took those backwards in the way he wrote it, reversed the order, but did you notice the way he wrote it? Your, your spirit, soul, and body. So what does that mean? It starts on the inside and goes out. When God's spirit comes into you and you're born again and you receive Christ and he comes into your life, he starts working on you. He works on us personally. He works on us thoroughly, comprehensively, all of us, our body, soul, and spirit. And God holds us securely. Look at verse 23 again. I'm telling you, verse 23 is full of wonderful truth. Paul says that you be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. God's going to keep working on us until one of two things happens. We either die or, we, or the Lord returns and takes us home. And Paul prayed that we would be kept blameless at the coming of Christ. Now, folks, there's a big difference between faultless and blameless. Faultless means you haven't done anything wrong. <laughs> that pretty much rules out all of us, doesn't it? But when it comes, to, for example, when it comes to our sin, we say it was my fault. But Paul used a legal term for blameless. It means you are guilty, but you've been pardoned. You're no longer held accountable. You're no longer, it's no longer against you. When preachers used to perform ceremonies, wedding ceremonies. Now, I've never done this, and maybe some of you have performed weddings, but a long time ago, a long time ago, I used to ask this question. If anyone can show just cause why they may not be lawfully joined together, let them speak now or forever hold their peace. You ever heard that? Well, they do it in the, in the movies. Well, that's actually from an old Episcopal prayer book, and through the years... Well, I've actually had couples ask me not to ask that question because they feared an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend might say something. But I, I've never asked that question. And you know why? You know why they asked that question many years ago? Because 
Many, many years ago, there was not easy access to public records. And the question was asked because somebody might know that that man or woman might already be married and making sure that they weren't when they were, were going through that to be legally married. It wasn't an objection to the couple. It was for legal reasons. Well, that's what blameless means. When you stand before God, if an angel, which he won't, but if anybody says, if an angel says, can anyone in heaven or on earth or below the earth just give just cause why this person should not be allowed into heaven, let them speak now or forever hold their peace. It will be silent. You know why? Because there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 1. None of us are faultless, but we stand before God blameless. That's good stuff, isn't it? I didn't write it, God did. But now let's look at the practical truth. Now what does that mean for us? First thing, verse 24, he who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. You are a work in progress. I've already told you that. So you know what, folks? You need to lighten up a little bit. If you concentrate on your weaknesses, you're going to lose your confidence. If you concentrate on God's faithfulness, you're going to grow. If you concentrate on God's faithfulness, you'll grow in your confidence. What makes us think that God will ever finish the job? Because he told us one day I'll finish you, but right now, no. I I look at it this way. In my mind's eye, I, I can see God working on a big chunk of marble, named David Wilson. It's a hard job because the chunk is badly marred, it's misshapen, it's discolored, it's cracked in odd places. It's about the worst piece of marble a sculptor would ever find. But God is undeterred and he works patiently at his job, chipping away the bad parts, chiseling an image into the hard stone, stopping occasionally to polish here and there. One day he's finally going to finish. And one day he finally finishes one section of the statue and the next morning he comes back and that section's messed up. He says, I thought I finished that yesterday. Who's been messing with my statue? Well, it turns out I'm the culprit. I'm the one that's been messing with it. I'm my own worst enemy. Sinful nature. But you know what God does? God is faithful. He picks up the chisel. He goes back to work. He didn't quit halfway through a project. He's still working on me. He's still working on you. Psalm 138.8 has a wonderful word we need to hear. It says, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me in the New King James. The NIV says the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Either way, it's a wonderful promise. Now think of those four words. He will do it in verse 24. They're simple and direct, no qualification, no hesitation, no doubt of any kind. He says just four simple words. He will do it. Doesn't say he might do it or he may do it or he could do it. He will do it. 
it's unqualified from the standpoint that there's nothing that is referencing anything that we could do. It's all God who's doing it. God's the one doing the work. God's the one's changing. God's the one that's bringing us along and God will complete it. So lighten up. And realize you're still a work in progress. Maybe you need to carry a sign that says, please be patient with me. God isn't finished with me yet. Now, along with that, you need to remember this. Verse 25 and 26, brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. Others are under construction. You're in a construction zone. Be patient. You know, construction, zone, construction zones are often messy and dirty. And that's why we need to show love and patience to one another. That's why, God, that's why Paul ended his letter with this command, greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. Now, he adds the same admonition in four of his letters. What does that mean? It's funny how we've ignored this. Well, we're in a pandemic, we don't want to kiss each other. <laughs> but before the pandemic, we weren't kissing each other. So what does that mean? Well, I've even heard somebody explain it this way. Well, it was the common custom in that culture to greet each other with kisses. And today in our culture, we just greet each other with handshakes. That's not true. Because in the Greek culture... They were stoic. They, they came, um, they were influenced by stoicism, which they didn't share any kind of affection outwardly. The truth is in Roman and Greece, they seldom would even touch a stranger or a newcomer. Now you've seen enough of those Roman movies where two soldiers, when they, instead of shaking hands, they grab forearms like that. So where did shaking hands come from? Well, believe it or not, it's an ancient custom. Many years ago, a man would put his hand out to show that he wasn't holding a knife. And the other man would hold his hand out to show he wasn't holding a knife. It was basically a gesture that said, I'm not going to cut your throat. But hugging and kissing were reserved for family members. So what is Paul communicating here? He's saying the church is like a family. Now, he's not saying you literally kiss one another. But he's saying you treat each other like family. You, you show affection and, and love for each other. We're family. We need each other. We're outnumbered. And so you, you hear us reference church family. Now, you're most of you are members of the church, but you've, you've, you're part of God's family, but you're part of a local family. And if there was ever a place where we need to feel love, it ought to be with your church family. Sometimes people come in and they, well, they've had a hard day or a hard week. They just need a little TLC, just a little acknowledgement, hey, I, I'm glad to see you, or are you doing okay? Can I pray for you? Just a little TLC. I see it at work so many times. It always blesses my heart when 
people are going through difficult times or when they're going through joyful times, you've got Sunday school class. They're there. They are there. Why? Because they love them. And love among the brethren. That's why Jesus said, how are people going to know that you're my disciples? By your love for one another. We've got to be patient with one another. So now you have a legal reason, not a legal reason, but you have a reason to say, well, they're just a piece of work. (laughs) So am I a piece of work. God's still working on us. Verse 27 and 28, you need to remember that you are under grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Only Jesus is perfect. He's still working on you. He saved you to the uttermost, but you're a work in progress until you get home and you're complete. Now we see through a glass darkly, dimly. We're going to understand it then. Isn't that going to be a great day? You don't have to deal with sin. Your questions will be answered. You'll be in a place where that sin's never touched, never marred it. I'm reminded of that, that uh, song that we used to sing many times during the invitation. It was, have thine own way, Lord. You're the potter, I'm the clay. Mold me and make me after your will while I'm waiting, yielded and still. Well, that is a prayer that God's going to answer because he's molding you and making you. And I want y'all to practice that last word in verse 28 all week and bring it back with you Sunday. Amen. Amen. We ran into some snags if some of you guys were trying to register for the men's retreat on that iPad. So we ran off the sheets. They are back here on this platform under this camera. It looked like this. So men, if you didn't get a chance, you can take one of these and fill it out and bring it back to us. It's a little easier if you can just see it like this than than going through that iPad. Now, I'm going to make a video, and I'll make some more announcements Sunday. I guess you are fully aware of our governor's edict concerning masks. Well, folks, we're going to continue our procedures of cleaning and being careful. Of course, we want you to do what you are comfortable doing. However... Please, how can I say this kindly? Please don't be judgmental of anybody else. Do what you need to do and what feel like comfortable in doing. But if somebody's wearing a mask, don't, you don't have to say anything to them. It's none of your business. Stuff your mask in your mouth and don't say anything. <laughs> And if you are wearing a mask and someone else isn't, just take care of you. Y'all, y'all understand what I'm saying? Why do we say stuff to other people that's really none of our business? 
You don't know a person's heart. You don't know what's going through it. Now, we probably won't add any more chairs back in here until after spring break. We've still got plenty of room in all the services. We may take some of the barriers down because people are doing that anyway. We're running out of seats in the 930 up there, so it's okay. What I'm trying to tell you is we're incrementally doing some things, but I'm not going to just say, no, all of you got to keep wearing a mask or no, we're not going to wear any masks. I want you to do what you are comfortable doing. And then, and then you'd be patient with others. Okay? I know you will. I'm, I'm making light of it, but I, but I am serious. And I'm going to announce it Sunday, and we'll send the word out. A lot of people are still waiting on the vaccine. That's okay. And some people are still more comfortable at home. That's okay. God's still working in spite of all this stuff. We... We, we had 16 new members last week, and I think we've had some this week. And, and uh, you know, the Lord keeps bringing people, people needing to be baptized or being saved. And, and so I'm not going to get in the way. God can do it any way he wants to. But I just want you all to, to know that, you know, we, we, um, we're learning as we go too. But right now, it seems like the cases are down, and you just do what you're comfortable doing. And uh, those of us who are talking to people up here at the front after the services will probably have our mask on just so they won't feel hindered if they want to come up and talk to us about a commitment to Christ or something like that. So um, I probably said way too much anyway already about that, but you understand my heart. You understand my heart in that? I'm a piece of work, remember? <laughs> Thank you for being here tonight and um, looking forward to a great day Sunday. And um, just remember, God's not done with you. He hasn't written you off. He is not done with you. Isn't that good? Let's pray. God, thank you for our time together tonight. And thank you for the fact that you're still working on us. Um, Lord, I think of how how much chipping away you've done in my own life and there's still so much to go. But thank you for what you've already done in my life and the lives of our family here. Help us to be patient with one another. Help us to love one another. Help us to notice each other and to encourage and exhort and love one another. Thank you that we have a relationship with you. The world does not know about it because they've never committed their lives to you. You've never made them alive in their spirit. They've never been born again. But those of us who have, Lord, we know. We know what life is. We know what it's about. We know who holds our future. And thank you that you still love us. Even when we mess up, you don't write us off. You still love us. So, Lord, thank you for our salvation. Help us to enjoy our salvation because it's all by your grace that we have it. I thank you for these wonderful people and the privilege of being associated with them. Please protect our family. Please be with these in the hospital. Please heal them. Please make them well. For those facing surgeries and unknown situations, God, please be their anchor and their guide. And until we get together again, would you keep us safe? Help us to share Jesus with someone 
We thank you for your love and your grace. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to watch more live streams or additional Bible studies, please go to southcrestlive.tv. We hope to see you again next week.